Hey everyone! Hello, hello! 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 How's it going? Good. Good morning. Who's our resident DJ? <laughs> our resident DJ is um, Mada, our media manager. Um, I feel like the music is, it's interesting. They kind of, they're making it more intense these days. Like it's going back and forth between this, which is the like the chill and then the like really intense one that we just had. And I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit, it's a little bit shocking. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, AI is definitely a cyberpunk theme uh, subject. So a little, uh, techno dubstep goes a long way and setting the vibe mm-hmm. for that. love that um love that love that i don't know i kind of um i feel like we need to kick these off every week with the ai drake song i feel like that that might need to make a comeback to at some point um yeah we need to be yeah i know i love did you guys like that song i really liked that song actually i feel like it got a lot of hate but i think that <laughs> i think it got hate from his fans more than anything yeah. else it, it's because of it's because of what it was, not so much who it was, but how it was done is why you got a lot of pushback for that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What was the name of the, the guy who created that? Ghostbusters or something like that? He he made like two of those AI songs that went viral now. Yeah, he's on uh, TikTok. Uh, I forget his name. Ghost Rider 77, I want to oh, say. Oh, Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He tried to get it into the uh, Grammy Awards or, or something, right? Yeah, and uh, they weren't having it. They were like, nope. <laughs> not on our right. watch. Right, they went back and forth, didn't they? And then they were like, uh, nope, nope, not happening. Um, well, welcome, welcome, everyone, to Decrypting AI. Um, if you are not familiar with uh, Decrypt, um, we are a next-generation media company and creative studio at the intersection of emerging tech, alternative finance, and culture. And we have started covering more AI topics recently, which we've been super excited about. Um, and Ryan and Jason here are two of our reporters and editors who are really in AI-related topics day in and day out. Um, and so as part of our expanding coverage, we just wanted to have weekly check-ins with you guys. We know that AI uh, produces a lot of emotions in people. Some people are really excited. Other people are a little bit terrified, and that is completely understandable. Um, this technology is evolving very rapidly, and that evokes a lot of um, reactions in people. And so we are creating this space every week for us to kind of come together, recap what's going on in the AI space, and then just provide uh, the floor for you guys to ask Ryan and Jason some questions um, as they kind of arise for you. So that's sort of the the plan and the schedule for, for this week. Um, Ryan and Jason, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Uh, actually, we're going to cover uh, the writers into the writer's strike, and I'm heading out there later today to talk to uh, – the actors are still picking up. Oh shoot! Really? Wow. Are there are yeah, a lot of them still out there? And do you want to do you want to give people maybe a little recap on what's happening in that space right now? So the uh, writers and the AMPTP uh, came to agreement or a tentative agreement earlier this week, uh, basically um, about residuals, about staffing, um, and about the use of AI. The uh, basic overview for the AI bit is that the AI can't be used to write or rewrite scripts. 
and AI generated writing can't be considered source material. Um, so like you can't say this, the 10th Star Wars movie was written by ChatGPT. You can't do that. So the, what that does is it keeps the uh, companies from not listing the uh, writers as the writers of the script. And then the other, on the other side of that, there's the writers are able to use AI tools if they want, but you have to make sure that, or let me back up, if they want, but the studio can't say which AI tool they can use. So like Sony can't say you have to use ChatGPT or something like that. So are there specific tools that are like completely banned out of the question cannot be used or is it more of like a case by case basis? At this point, I'd say it's a case by case basis. Um, and also it depends on, you know, when you submit your you know, as a, on the writer side, if I submit a draft and say it's mine, but the whole thing was written by Claude, Claude AI, then, you know, there, there's a question of, you know, there's still the question of plagiarism. There's still the question of, uh, you know, trying to claim something as yours that you didn't really write, things like that. And, you know, we're, we're, we're still early in this conversation. And I think that's why everyone's calling it a tentative agreement, because we're not sure how it's going to play out over time. It's only a three-year contract. So in three years, in 2026, we'll be right back here, just probably discussing the same thing. And of course, Decrypt will be here to cover it for you. There we go. Well, it makes sense, though, considering that everything we're talking about AI wasn't even a topic on everyone's mind until late last year. So three years, a lot can change. I think it's also important to note that, as uh, Jason mentioned, I love when he goes out to the picket line and talks to people literally on the front lines, is that although I like that writers get their due when these strikes come up, because a lot of times people think a TV show is just the actors on it, it is the Act Screen Actors Guild, SAG, that is still on strike and still has not reached their potential tentative agreement with the studios. So whether or not they're going to take a cue from the Writers Guild in terms of what they're going to accept and not accept, um, or actually they have different issues like replacing actors with AI. Um, I think there's still more conversations to come. I think what you're going to find is the actors negotiation around AI is going to be more difficult than the writers because with the writers, it's, it's about what's on the page. So don't use AI to write that script. But when you're doing video or film and you create an AI version of Tom Cruise, you never have to pay Tom Cruise again once that AI model is created. So what the actors are, are, are talking about is, okay, you create this AI version of me. It's still me. I want to still get paid every time you use it. So that's the conversation that the actors are currently having with the uh, studios right now, and it's still ongoing. This is giving me Black Mirror vibes. Have you guys watched the, um, the Jane episode in the latest season of Black Mirror? Jane Jane is, what was it called? Because uh, Salma Hayek. Yeah, and, uh, yep. Was, uh, yeah, I can't remember the film. Uh, Jane is awful, something yes, like that. Yes, something, something like Jane is terrible, Jane is awful. And the, the premise of it is it's just this everyday person who works for a studio who comes into work one day 
And she goes about her day and then she goes home later that night and she's sitting on the couch with her boyfriend and they turn on a show that is basically just like Netflix. But, you know, the the version that this um, this story is, is telling is called something else. And the show that comes on is a story about her life. And basically, when she started working at this production company, she signed away her rights to her day to day. And they made up a, a story about her that's exactly like her, but it paints her in a completely different different light. And every episode covers her life, but one day after it's happening. And it's just the story of like how how that completely unfolds. And you guys should watch it. I mean, it's just, it's kind of wild, but it brings up a lot of questions. Spoiler alert. It, what? Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. I know, spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah, don't want to give away too much. It, it gets a little dramatic at the end. They kind of like destroy this crazy machine. And anyways. I'm literally okay. getting real spoiler. Real spoiler. Um, red flag. Red flag. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's interesting, right? It's like what what well, happened. There's a yeah, go ahead, there's a question there's a question about that in um, Amazon's push towards using AI more in its products because you know Alexa uses the things that are told to it to train itself. To do what it does. I mean, it it if I ask Alexa, Alexa every five minutes or every five days, what's the weather? I'm training it to tell me what's the weather. So it's not un, out of the question that these companies would be using what we tell these devices as a basis for creating something else down the road. Now, the question at this point, and the question that was asked in that episode of Black Mirror is, what are you agreeing to when you agree to these companies' terms of service? Because I don't know about you, but the terms of service are like an instant sleeping pill to me. Nobody reads those things. But now that our voices, our images, our likenesses are being harvested by these, these programs, Maybe it's time we do start scrutinizing these terms of services more. Well, I thought that story was interesting in part because they were like, hey, uh, Amazon is saying people can control whether or not we use their data. Oh, yes, by opting out. Uh, sure. Do you think your mom or your grandpa knows how to opt out of the Amazon uh, ecosystem or the Amazon data sharing agreement? I mean, the the funny thing about that Black Mirror episode and what has happened with Black Mirror in general is that all of the scenarios are completely realistic. So it's not so much a show about how things could go wrong. They have to take it from what things, how things could go wrong to the absolute cartoonish extreme because they can't otherwise really keep you engaged because they're, well, yeah, that already happens. And I thought that it was interesting that they went after the shrink wrap um, issue where everybody just clicks agree. Um, and that was really kind of the, the, the danger that they saw, because frankly, if, you know, Tom Cruise uses Alexa in his house and they have a hundred hours of recordings of Tom Cruise asking about the weather, they could probably make a Tom Cruise voice for their Alexa machines. And he's probably already signed away those rights. Right. So, so how do you guys think this plays out in the long term? I think that Jason, what you said about the actors negotiation being a little bit more complicated and tricky than the writers negotiation, I think was really interesting. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about a company that is allowing people to upload an AI version of themselves into the metaverse. I can't remember the name of this company, one of you guys might, but a lot of celebrities are starting to do this now so that they have 
ownership over their digital selves that then lives in the metaverse so that they can then essentially sue people from, if my understanding is correct, if their AI uh, incarnation is used in some other artistic creation. Is that something that you think is going to be used as a as a preventative way for artists to not just like get ripped off by people just using their likeness? Or how do you guys see this playing out in the in the longer term? Well, I've I've spoken to a few actors in the past and the more tech savvy ones have mentioned something like that, where you basically put a because you can't copyright you. That's not a that's not possible but you can technically copyright certain characteristics that would reproduce an image of you so that but that then and that's way more complicated than i'm making it sound but basically what it does is if i own these characteristics that make my mouse look like mickey mouse you can't use it without paying me some type of compensation now, you can make your own mouse, you can make your own rat, but if your rat looks like this, you have to pay me. And so that's what a lot of actors are saying that they think is a good way to preempt these unauthorized uses. The problem is criminals who create illegal deepfakes don't care about the legality of doing it. So it's going to protect you and a legal corporate fashion, but it's not going to protect you from crime. So it's still an issue that needs to be resolved in that way. It's definitely not a protection if there's nobody you can sue, right? If you can't find them. It's definitely more uh, preventative for players who play nice, but I mean, the people who are making those really, really impressive deepfakes of Tom Cruise or of uh, you know Donald Trump doing things that well, I can't even say things that he wouldn't do because that's that's a very small thing. But uh, they're not going to be held accountable in any way. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I also just added for people who are joining right now and just want to kind of follow along um, the articles that we're discussing. I'm adding them as a thread under this this space if you want to go um, check them out and read them. Um, I just added the one about um, the Writers Guild and then this this company that's allowing celebrities to upload versions of themselves into the metaverse, which is interesting. Um, and just a little side note, actually, Ryan, on the article that you wrote about um, the Writers Guild, that was actually also written by AI. At the bottom of the article, it says, written by Decrypt AI and edited by Ryan. Can you tell us a little bit more about how we at Decrypt are using AI in our coverage? Well, it's definitely a conversation that we have regularly, and uh, it can get quite um, colorful, uh, because certainly when you're a writer at heart, um, you, on one hand, think very highly of your art and your creativity, and you don't want to be replaced by machines, but you are also a finite resource, and when there's 30 stories to cover and a human can cover two a day or four a day, or if you're Jason, five a day, um, (laughs) then it's a little tricky to do both of those things. At Decrypt, we definitely uh, now enlist AI to do things that would take us a lot of time. For example, a 200-page filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission to get a license to operate a Bitcoin futures ETF. Like, 
I don't even have a 30% understanding of what most of those words right. mean, but by right. providing it to a uh, AI service that specializes in summarizing or pulling out excerpts or highlights or, you know, basically giving me the gist of what I'm I need to understand from 200 pages, it helps a lot because otherwise I would have lost the entire day just reading the document, let alone get to the story. So, for example, the story that you're talking about, um, trying to catch up with the terms of the Writers Guild, or not, sorry, the, uh, yeah, it was the Writers Guild tentative agreement. You want to get that out quickly. Um, I think, you know, obviously, if you were Variety or Hollywood Reporter, you're on top of it. Um, we were probably out maybe 30 minutes later, but that would have been impossible without um, yeah, AI. that that makes a lot of sense. It's helping us a lot in terms of streamlining content, just processing things. We also have um, a news explorer on our homepage. Um, if you guys go check that out, um, that's basically um, any sort of breaking news that is aggregated by AI in the the wide realm of emerging tech, and then we curate it on the back end. So our staff looks over all of the content, and then just essentially like presses go or no go. But it's it's essentially. Um, our attempts to to just make the most of these AI services that are out now, and so um, scouring the web and just making sure that we are we are always at the forefront of bringing you guys the the latest breaking news in the space. So check that out if you guys haven't already. But um, in terms of just other AI breaking news and just things that are going on this week, I also would love for us to talk about Open AI. Um, they just announced um, a big new development uh, for ChatGPT this week um, and would love for us to talk about that. Um, they basically just rolled out a new upgrade where you can like use images and voices to interact with ChatGPT. Have you guys tried this yet? I think it's just on the desktop version um, and I think it's like a paid product. I, I do not pay for ChatGPT, so I have not used this, but... Um, have either of you guys tried it out yet? I've been um, playing with sort of, actually you can, when you're using Google Images and stuff, you're getting to the very start of this capability. But what I found really fascinating this morning is there are several viral threads on Twitter um, where people are uploading comic strips to this and they are just astonished that ChatGPT is basically explaining the comic to them, like it's 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 interpreting what it could potentially mean, and is most for the most part pretty accurate. So I'm already thinking, you know, there are a lot of comic strips that I don't even understand why this is funny. So maybe ChatGPT <laughs> is going to be able to to help me with that. Well, it's very interesting that they went this way because it's almost like a shot at Midjourney, where you can upload images to Midjourney, and the Midjourney can. Exp can tell you what that image is and allow you to make uh, variations of it. Um, Google still, in my opinion, has the edge on this uh, type of thing because like for right, right now, if you go to the Google uh, web browser you uh, on your phone, you can tell it to look at a picture and it will tell you what that picture is and it'll give you links to what that picture is. So that is a big leap in a very short amount of time and open AI, I, I wouldn't be surprised if theirs gets more advanced considering the amount of data that they have to work with even now. 
Yeah, that's amazing. No, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's funny, like when I kind of think about how to use this on a day-to-day basis and how I'm currently using all this, I feel like for me, the extent of it is like, I have an iPhone. So taking a picture of like a plant or an animal, and then you know how you can, you can swipe up and then you can say, tell me what the plant is or the animal is. That's pretty much like the, ex- like image searching is pretty much the extent of how I use this right now. But it's, it's really cool to see how this is going to open up like a whole new avenue for us to to really interact with technology and have a whole conversation with technology, which isn't really, you know, I mean, that's that's just a whole a whole other level. Right. Um, and that. Well, it's interesting yeah, go ahead. because I have I, I actually used it a few days ago. We were at a dinner and there was a picture of an Olympian on the wall. And the argument was, who's that Olympian? And some people said it was Florence Griffiths Joyner. Some people said it was somebody else. And so I was like, hang on. Took out my phone, opened Google, pointed it at that picture, and it told me who it was. It was Florence Griffiths Joyner. And so I was like, I should have put money on this because <laughs> I would have won a bet right now. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Right, right. That's a whole other level, too. Like, let's let's like bet on like what what these like things could be, um, should be all of that. Um, I think that I'm going to use Chad GPT to help me assemble furniture as soon as the um, the uh, image and voice rollout is no longer in the um, paid version and the accessible version. I feel like that's probably what I will use it for. Like, help me assemble this furniture. Tell me, tell me what the steps are because Ikea is not helpful. So take it to Ikea and feed it one of their manuals. Yeah, literally. Exactly. I'm like, I don't want to just tell me step by step how, how I can build this. Um, I, I was actually curious. I wanted to pull the audience here. I feel like I've seen a lot of jokes about people saying please and thank you to chat GPT when they interact um i would love to just get like could you just put a little heart reaction if this is something that you do on a regular basis like you ask gp chat gpt a question you say please or thank you at the end um i know that i often do that i'm curious if that's something that you guys do on the regular or not really not seeing a lot of hearts man y'all are just brutal brutal wow I do not want to offend my future robot overlords, and I will say thank you anytime one of them does something for me. And especially if it's a visual AI, like um, one that has an avatar that pops up on your screen, like, say, Replica. Yeah, you better be polite to that thing. Oh, <laughs> it's exactly. probably looking at you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think people say... Uh, I don't believe that AI will destroy and take over the world, but just in case, yeah, totally. Exactly. Um, well, the other thing is, I think when you just think of the ways that technology changes how we interact with other humans, mm-hmm. I think that if we get into the habit of telling any conversational agent to do something without any niceties or politeness, that's going to bleed over into everyday life. And I'll walk up to Jason and I'll say, Jason, Write a three hundred page, not three hundred page. Write a three hundred word story about this event, and he'll be yes. And then what? I, I, I won't even thank him. I won't even say please. Like I, I'm kind of worried about. That. I'm so glad you brought that up. That was exactly where I was going with this. Is now that technology is becoming more and more human like, like 
if we just get used to treating it as something that is going to serve us at any of our, you know, changing whims, how is that then going to affect how humans and humans interact if we start kind of using that that same code of ethics that we use with technology amongst ourselves? And I think it's just something that we should like be be a little bit weary of, right? Um, well, there's something to that in the depictions of AI and fiction, because a lot of times when these AIs go quote-unquote rogue, they were designed for, a lot of them were designed for fighting war purposes to begin with. So you're programming this thing to fight. So what makes you think eventually it won't try to fight you too? And it really goes into what you're programming this thing to do and what you're feeding it. I remember speaking to a computer scientist who said, we need to stop thinking about AI as a other thing and start thinking about it as an extension of us because it's going, it's being programmed from us based on our own experiences, based on things we like and hate. And that's what it's going to kick back. And we've done many stories about how AI models today have ingested and now represent the biases that exist in the data that it was used to train on. And I think when Jason talks about military applications, I, I mean, I go one level of abstraction higher. And I feel like if we continue to say to a to an increasingly diverse body of AI agents, what we really want you to do is to eliminate the efficiencies in the system. And that's basically the highest order or highest calling or the principle number one of an agent, an AI agent, once you attach that to robots or weapons, it's going to realize that the most efficient, inefficient part of any system is the humans. And it'll get, that's, that's where I think every sci-fi scenario plays out is like, no, we didn't want you to kill humans. We just wanted you to get rid of what's inefficient. Well, guess what? That, that, that is us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I heard that, I heard an anecdote about that it might have been on a uh, their twitter spaces and basically they were saying well if you tell ai to get rid of pollution on the planet the first thing it's probably going to do is try to wipe out all the humans if you believe that humans are causing the pollution and it's just like oh crap <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's i mean it's freaky if you think about it too much right and actually I'd, I'd love let's do another little poll again i mean if if this is the kind of thing that you think like we have no need to worry about you know blue skies ahead ai innovation is steering us in a, a good direction thumbs up if you like actually are a little bit nervous about some of this stuff and like save space to say so if you are maybe like just throw in a, a thumbs down in here I'd love to kind of see your guys's takes um, on on some of this um, optimistic or pessimistic for the the future of AI um, oh Jason I think I'm with you actually I'm as a as a huge cyberpunk fan, I already know where this is going. So <laughs> I, I'm like, okay, well, let's like, I, I remember talking to Mike Pondsmith, uh, the creator of the cyberpunk franchise. And he was like, and he is quoted as saying cyberpunk is, was, is a, uh, how do you say it? It's a uh, warning, not an aspiration. And I talked to him about that at an event 
a few months ago and he said yes you know he did confirm that he did say that and what it was is you're seeing this dark dystopian future why are you trying to get to it you know you should be trying to do something else with this technology you're developing not cause a worldwide catastrophe not cause the elites to get even more powerful not cause the wage gap to become wider you have the ability we have the ability to make real lasting change here don't make things worse well you know mr terminator james cameron was very early out saying i told you people <laughs> didn't <laughs> i warn you what is going on yeah he, he said that in an interview uh last month i think it was where he was like i already told you what's going to happen so, you know, <laughs> why are you talking to me? <laughs> I told you in 1984. Gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, hey, yeah, I, I guess this is kind of where we say we're here for a good time and not a long time, right? Like, I sometimes we just, we're not really sure where this is all headed, but um, I think that this is why it's so important for us to be having these conversations and just, um, just especially just thinking through on the product side how people are designing these products in a way that will be beneficial to society in terms of socioeconomic inequality like what are the long-term outcomes that we are are building towards here and um it's just important for us to kind of stay in check on that um and i think the policy question is really where it ends up and you know we've covered the white house pledge to do it responsibly i just got a breaking news alert during this spaces about uh, Biden, President Biden of the U.S. being expected to issue a executive order related to AI. I mean, that's how pressing these concerns are at the highest level of government. So not uh, so very, very relevant. Oh, sure. wow. Can you? But I think that these. OK, the problem is this stuff is already in the wild and anything, any policy you pass similarly to their in an action of clear crypto regulation, this stuff is already out there. So aside from some type of ban or uh, usage or harvesting data, there's really not much he could actually do to stop the growth of AI at this point. That should have been done last year. Yeah, I think bringing in government regulation into the conversation, right, it's always kind of a question around, is this just something that is done to appease um, us in terms of uh, make citizens feel like people who are, you know, in charge in government are thinking about all of this holistically uh, versus is it actually going to have any impact in really regulating AI? Because as, as we've seen at any stage of technological evolution, it takes a long time for government regulation to actually catch up. And so I think that this is, this is no different. If, if anything, it's actually even worse, right? Because AI is evolving at such a fast speed that it's, it's pretty much impossible for government to kind of catch up with us. But Ryan, could you drop that, um, you, that alert that you just received? Could you, if you could drop that in the chat, that would be amazing so that everyone could kind of see what's, what's going on there on the regulation front. But I also, I, I recognize we're sort of at time. I have no meetings after this, Ryan and Jason, so we could just stay in jam. But I did want to turn it over in case there's any questions from the audience. Um, would love to give you guys the chance to ask those now. You can just raise your hand and I'll, I'll unmute you. Um, but if not, I'm also happy to keep keep chatting. We could talk about Meredith Whitaker. Um, speaking of 
AI warnings. I feel like that's very on brand for this conversation. Um, yeah, I highly recommend everyone watch that interview from TechCrunch Disrupt um, about it was basically what, uh, well, for people who don't know, Mer- Meredith Whitaker is the president of Signal. So the company that the behind the Signal Foundation, the company behind the app. And she was basically saying that AI is a surveillance tool. And as, as scary as that is, and there's some hyperbole in there, she's not wrong. Because we don't know who has access to these recordings beyond what these AI developers tell us. And, you know, like you're, when the government came to Apple to tell them to open up this uh, terrorist phone, Apple was like, well, we can't do that because it would negate the security of our network. But the government went and hired some hackers and did it anyway. But Apple didn't say we're going to do this. The thing was, we don't know what kind of rule OpenAI has about that. Would they just turn over everything you tell ChatGPT? Would Amazon tell everything? Would, you know, would Anthropic tell everything Claude has been entered? And people have been getting really personal with these AI chatbots. Like we did a story a couple of weeks ago about people going on dates and falling in love with their AI. That's a lot of personal information that we don't know what their um, rules and regulations are about what to do with that information. And on top of that, and actually related to that, is the increasing capability of the machines we carry in our pockets or our computers at home to do this stuff without even relying on a third party or a large organization like Microsoft or Google or OpenAI. Um, Jose, one of our writers at Decrypt, is really good at trying all of these open source solutions that you install the large language model, the processing on your home machine, and um, you can get very good results. That's good in the privacy sense, but that could be dangerous in terms of there is no controls over what you do with those tools. Um, He just tried something called Next GPT, which is not just a uh, home home run uh, AI agent, but it is a multimodal one. I mean, everyone's so excited now that ChatGPT can look at pictures. Well, guess what? This open source tool that he used is doing the exact same thing. It can create images and interpret images just using your home machine, no internet connection. So just like what uh, Jason was saying, this stuff is already out there. And even if there was a sudden executive order that shut it all down, these tools are released. You can't put the genie back in the box. Yeah, it's kind of a one-way ticket, isn't it? I just dropped the the next uh, GPT link um, in our chat here if anyone wants to go check it out. Um, and also added in Meredith Whitaker's uh, Signal interview. I would really recommend watching it. I agree, Jason. I feel like it was just, she had some really interesting comments um, to make during that speech. I think something else that she talked about that was really interesting was how um, AI can be a little bit exploitative. Like she, and this is something that I don't really think a lot about, to be perfectly honest, on on a day-to-day basis, but she basically was just kind of saying that AI isn't as artificial as we think it is. Like it's basically built on like organized and annotated. Um, it's like these these huge data sets, right? That are organized and annotated by by 
workers. And so she was like, it's basically thousands and thousands of workers that are paid very little. And um, they are the ones who are classifying all this data that is then turned into algorithms that recommend things to the very people who are classifying it. Right. And so so it's actually, if anything, it's just going to kind of continue increasing in a social inequality. And anyways, it was, it was kind of alarming. I'm not going to lie, but she, um, she, she made some very interesting points and I think it's important for everyone to kind of spend some time thinking about those. So I, I added in, um, that interview in the chat. Um, but wondering if anyone here has any questions for Ryan and, and Jason, if, if we talked about a lot this week from, you know, regulation to um, everything that's going on in Hollywood and open AI, um, as always, this space is continually evolving. Um, but um, if not, that's really fine too. We, we have um, a new hub actually that's launching next week. That's called Emerge. Um, that is our new AI-focused hub at Decrypt. It's actually going to be broader than AI, too. It's, it's basically everything from AI to ML to decentralized science, um, a little bit of space science. Basically, if you were a STEM student at any point in your life, this hub is for you. Um, and uh, we're pretty excited about it. I will drop in. We, we just launched a Twitter handle for it, um, and we're going to be building out a whole community around Emerge in our uh, Discord server. So I will add links to that as well to this chat. We would love to just get you guys involved um, um, as much as possible. Um, Ryan is going to be um, spearheading this hub. Um, anything else we can add, share with people, guys, about, about this hub? Well, I'm very excited about Emerge. I mean, we've been covering AI for some time now, and thanks to reporters like Jason out in the field and Jose testing all of these tools have already become, uh, I believe, a credible source for news in this space. But Emerge is covering emerging technologies and AI is almost beyond emerging already, and we're going to be looking at things, uh, other things like, for example, longevity, life extension, and biohacking. That's very exciting. I mean, these this goes back to the days of quantified self in the 90s, and uh, these people are still around and still leaders uh, in this space, and we uh, look forward to exploring that. We're going to be looking at uh, quantum computing, which people say could be the end of cryptography and cryptocurrency, so that could be interesting as well. And as you mentioned, space exploration, space colonization. Um, basically, when you said if you were a STEM student, yes, but you would also have to have been into sci-fi, that's the uh, intersection we're exploring with Emerge, which will be launching next Wednesday. So, Elon, if you're listening, and I know you are, I'd like a ticket on the next SpaceX <laughs> rocket so we can report from space. Oh, my gosh. You could not pay me enough to take SpaceX into space. Wow. <laughs> that's just, that, that will be all you, Jason. I'm terrified of helicopters, so I'm not going to space. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I, I believe in the concept of YOLO, <laughs> even though I do believe in reincarnation. But you do only live, you know, you, you can't be afraid of these things. You got to grab the bull right. by the horns. Well, look, when you say you only live once, I, I, I get that. But you'd like to live long. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of in my prime right now. I've, I've had a good run. <laughs> once again, right? You're ready to check out. All right. You're here for a good time, not a long time. Huh? I think that's that's the takeaway <laughs> exactly. from this week's uh, decrypting AI space. Um, just put, just upload me to uh, 
to the relic like in cyberpunk and now just slap me in somebody else's head oh my god terrifying no no all right we gotta wrap it up guys (laughs) um Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, I am adding links to our Discord, which um, we'll be launching some Emerge channels uh, later today, actually. So we'd love to see you guys there. Um, Come join, plug into everything that we're going to be doing on the Emerge front. Um, And uh, I'll also be sharing the new Twitter handle that we're launching as part of Emerge. But um, we will be here again next week, decrypting all the things, talking about highs, lows, excitements, fears, etc., We'll take time for questions if you guys have any, of course. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy days um, to come chat with us. And uh, we hope to see you guys all next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye.